Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to another episode of the On the Sideline podcast with Jackson and Kyle. I am Jackson, and I am joined here, as always, by the man uh, who has never given up seven goals in a Stanley Cup uh, final game. Kyle, Kyle, how are you doing? I haven't done that, but I am doing good. How are you doing, sir? Yes, doing good as well. You're you're basically better than Andre Vasilevsky. You know what? Your brother's been saying he's overrated for years now. Maybe it's finally <laughs> coming to fruition. Um don't really think so, but I, you know, still feel confident. Tampa Bay has got to feel okay still. Yeah, we're we're doing all right. Maybe we'll touch on that more at the end. Uh, you know, got to get an intro somehow. And in, in the off season, it's tough to get those intros, Kyle. You really got to shoehorn some in. Yeah, no, completely understand. Um, yeah, we're we're talking 2022 football season though. Now it is yes. time. It, I feel like this is officially the 2022 football season for uh, the Jackson Kruger Sports YouTube channel and on the sideline podcast. This episode right here. Today it has started right now. This minute, it's almost like you know when uh, you know the cliche line in drafts was is like, oh, when it, everyone knows who like the top pick's going to be. Oh, the pick start the the real draft starts at number three. I'm right. hearing it now with the NBA draft. The draft really starts at number four with Sacramento. Uh, the real podcast off season starts now, June twenty second. We're here. We're picking the NFC East. Yes, yes. Uh, NFC Beast, as we have in the chat, I'm sure some people will be saying NFC Least. And, you know, listen, plenty of people are talking about the exciting divisions. Uh, you know, the AFC South, I'm sure everyone's putting all the buzz in. Uh, we're, we're, we give credit to the little guys here, Kyle. We're going to be talking the NFC East, the division no one ever talks about. No one can watch their games because they're always on at 8 o'clock p.m. Uh, so, so, you know, uh, we're giving credit to the, the little teams here. Yeah, classic underdog stories like the you know <laughs> teams from New York, Philadelphia, and Dallas. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, Small I market mean, teams. listen, this this is not a popular division outside of the teams in the division because they mm-hmm. are talked about a lot. They're mainstream teams, and um, you know what? I don't think this is one of the, I don't think this is quite the bottom feeder division that it has been in the years past. I think it's a little frisky. 
Um, I have it as my, I have it, I almost put it fifth, but I have it as the sixth best division in football. Oh, like, moving up I, in the world. Moving up. I, now, if you say, okay, there's no Super Bowl contenders in this division, I might agree with you there. But at the same time, I don't think any of these teams are going to end up as the worst team in the league, where I feel like in years past, you could have looked at multiple teams vying for the worst team in the league position. I think at least all of these, like if any of these teams win this division this year, I wouldn't be necessarily shocked. I think there'd be some that are surprising than others, but I wouldn't be shocked. I would be shocked about one. Uh, and we'll get into that uh, when we when we get there. I'll be shocked. I also I think I, ha- I have some hot takes here in this one, Kyle. I think this one of the divisions I have more hot takes. I have one in particular that I think people are going to be surprised by. So that should be fun. Uh, let me just set up how this, this show is going to work. So Kyle is going to give his rankings from four to one. If you watched these last year, you know how this works. But we get new listeners all the time, which we appreciate. Uh, so just how it works. You know, Kyle will say his fourth ranked team. I will then give kind of my rundown, my extended rundown on the entire rosters. And I will be giving ranking each position group into tiers. Uh, there's a win total associated with each of these tiers based on uh, you know previous history and how much that typically ex- gives you uh, win totals. And then uh, from that, I will have a projected win total for the next year. And then we'll move on to three and so on and so forth. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. I'm I'm in. Yeah. Also, uh, we have someone in the chat saying Spicy Kruger making an appearance. Yeah, I, I like that. Spicy Kruger. This is like when Wendy's brings out the spicy nugget. Spicy Kruger <laughs> just shows up. You need like a hat or something. Uh huh. I, I feel like it's it's probably closer to like the McDonald's spicy nuggets that tasted like basically the exact same as the regular nuggets. Oh, those are so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Incredible. Uh, okay. we could we could do a whole podcast on that. We will not. If you're a little bit confused about how this goes, you will understand it more once we get into it. You want to just get into it? Uh, yeah. Let's dive right oh, into actually, it. Actually, let me do one more real quick because someone put this in the chat and I want wanted to mention this. Uh, hi Jackson, are you using the same win criteria? Uh. From last off season, I am not. I made a couple of slight adjustments. I don't know how many people care about this, but you know some do. Uh, I have made some slight adjustments to my to the almighty algorithm here. Uh, it seems like from what I've gone back, I think I overvalued running backs a bit too much last year. Uh, I have uh, dialed that back down a lot to where the you know, a tier one running back room is now worth a little bit under one win. I've also added win totals to every defensive position. I did that because, uh, you know, more I've read about running backs, I feel like I've overvalued that, so I've dialed that back. Also, I noticed that, uh, you know, in doing that, the offense got a little bit too overvalued, so I've just shifted the scales a little bit. Offense still matters more, but it matters kind of more of a fair amount now. So uh, just again, a uh, slight correction, slight changes there if anyone's interested. Anyways, Kyle, why don't you go ahead with number four? All right, number four team in the division, as you said, I think there'd be one team that you were shocked by winning the division. I mm-hmm. get the feeling that it's going to be the New York Giants. The New York Giants are introducing a new head coach. That's the first thing they got going against them. There are still questions around the roster, particularly this is a make-or-break season for quarterback Daniel Jones. I'll lay out the quick reasons for optimism here. Okay. We saw flashes from Daniel Jones. Even if they were small flashes – there were some flashes that he looked pretty good last season, I thought. Um, maybe he has this thing turned around. He's working with a, a coach who is kind of viewed as a quarterback guru right now in Brian Dayball. So maybe that works out for him. And then the last part of this is that there's going to be certain position groups that I think have to get better because they can't get any worse than they were last year. And also, this team, by sharp football analytics, which I think has a good strength of schedule metric, has the easiest schedule in football that, uh, next season. 
They okay. have the easy, there are some tough games here. You got Green Bay at home. You got at Tennessee to start the season, but you also get Carolina at home. You're at Jacksonville, Seattle, which are pretty good road games that are easily winnable. You got Houston and Detroit at home. And so, I mean, you got winnable games across the schedule that you can look at and say, hey, maybe the Giants pick up a few of these wins, steal a couple other ones. All of a sudden, they're right there at the end of the season. Uh, the Giants are still fourth for me, though, just for talent efficiency. But I think there are reasons for slight optimism. Okay. Well, uh, interesting. So uh, let's just start off at the top, as we're going to do with all of these. The two most important people in each football team is going to be the quarterback and the head coach. Daniel Jones, I have as a tier four quarterback. He was 23rd on my rankings. And Brian Dable uh, loses value as well, being the 26th ranked head coach. A lot of it's just like he's new. He's a wild card. He could be better than that. Who knows? But uh, I guess my, you know, my concern I've talked about a little bit on this podcast with Dable is, are we giving him potentially too much credit for what he did with Josh Allen? Josh Allen had a great turnaround, and he's the one who gets all the credit for that. But if you take that out of the equation, his resume is not very impressive. It really comes down to, is that because of him, or is it just because Josh Allen happened to figure stuff out? And if it's the latter, then this could actually end up being a pretty bad head coaching hire. Uh, yeah, I definitely think we can. And I think it's a lot harder to be a quarterback guy than be a head football coach. Uh, and the other mm. part about this too, is that, you know, Josh Allen just might have more talent than Daniel Jones, even if I we, think. you know, didn't like Josh Allen a whole lot his first couple of years, I still mm-hmm. thought he showed a little more flashes than Daniel Jones, but yeah, I mean, all of that could go together. I don't know how it's going to work. And with these head coaches, it's kind of like, you know, drawing straws to a certain degree. So we'll see what happens. But, you know, part of my thing with Jones last year is, you know, it wasn't all perfect. It wasn't all perfect all season, but I mean, Going against New Orleans and having 400 yards passing and two touchdowns, that's not nothing. Uh-huh. So maybe maybe there is something here. I'm still a little more pessimistic about Jones than like in his future, but at least you have a guy with a proven track record to try and pull this out, and you don't have a bad backup in Tyrod Taylor who I think can do some things too. So mm-hmm. we'll see what happens with the Giants. It's a make-or-break season for him. Yeah, sure. There is you're you're right. There is stuff to like about Daniel Jones. Uh, I thought that he did show flashes. I think he's underrated. I still don't think he's great though. The wide receiving core is another one that's a very. This is kind of how I guess if you're going to say this team is going to vastly improve, this will probably be how it does it. You have Kenny Galladay and Kadarius Tony, who a lot got made of no touchdowns combined last year, but there's still a lot of potential there. Tony was a first round pick, who some people even had as uh, wide receiver number one. Some crazy people said that. Uh, Kenny Galladay was also no, you know, he was the biggest uh, wide receiver free agent that offseason. So there's a lot of potential there. They also drafted Wondell Robinson in the second round. Uh, and then you got guys like Sterling Shepard, Darius Slayton, and Richie James, who could at least be depth, if nothing else. Uh, tight end needs some work. Ricky Seals Jones is probably their best option. He's on his fifth team in five years. So uh, Jordan Atkins had potential and then really hasn't lived up to that. You also have fourth rounder Daniel Bellinger. So uh, wide receiving core gets a tier four for me, but has potential to improve if some of these guys can can step up like Galladay and Tony. Yeah, I mean, not only that, it was like, so what? Sterling Shepard played seven games last season, and he was viewed as a pretty good number three option. Mm-hmm. Um, and so you have guys like him. Darius Slayton as a number four option, I don't think is bad. I, I kind of like Wondell Robinson. So I think there's guys on this list that's okay, like, I think by default this gets better because it was just so bad. Um, but you also look at this and say, okay, there's talent here. And if they can figure this out and, you know, not start Jake Fromm, then I think at the same time, this should be just a better group at overall at wide receiver. 
Yeah, it should not be the first thing that they put on their uh, game plan heading into next season. Don't start Jake Fromm. Don't play Jake Fromm. Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, I think that would be good. Uh, to round out the offense, uh, the halfbacks. So this might be a hot take. I'm giving this tier four. I just haven't seen Saquon Barkley play enough, and I haven't seen him play consistently in several years. Uh, I'm going to bet against uh, running backs that have injury histories. You know, Matt Breida, I think, is solid as well. But again, uh, there's too many good running backs out there for me to get too high on that. I know people probably disagree, especially Giants fans, but I'm putting that as tier four. Uh, offensive line, I'm also putting at tier four. I like Andrew Thomas a lot. Evan Neal should be a good day one player. And even Mark Glanowski, I think, uh, can do well You know, from the Colts. Uh, he's a good guard. But you know, it looks like their you know, other guard is either going to be Max Garcia or Shane Lemieux, who was a fifth-round pick in 2020. In 2020 excuse me. Uh, you also have John Feliciano at center, who, uh, you know, uh, I feel like he's typically a guard. He hasn't shown a ton. Uh, there's some holes in this offensive line, and we still don't know what we're going to get out of Evan Neal right away. It could take him some time, like Andrew Thomas took some time. So tier four offensive line, tier four halfback. Everywhere on the offense, I give tier four, giving it the 27th ranked offense uh, on my board. Yeah, um, I think I agree with all that. All of it's theoretical. I mean, there's nothing really you could say about Saquon to be super excited based off the last season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he was sub four yards a carry. Um he played 13 games, which I guess is good based on a guy with injury history, but sure. he only, he got sub 200 carries in 13 games. That's not very mm-hmm. good. Um, I think it's like, so I guess the thing is like, I agree with all your tier four grades, but like it, my thing with the giants is would I be shocked if all of this is tier three? So like Saquon not coming off a season ending injury this season. So by default, you think he might be a little bit fresher. And mm-hmm. also, this has the potential to be his best offensive line he runs behind his entire career. Sure. Uh, short career. So mm-hmm. maybe there's ways that gets better. Maybe the receivers, I think, should be better. And there might be a chance Jones is decent with Dayball at the helm. So I think there's it's all theoretical with the Giants is the problem. It's like, theoretically, this, this, and this can all get better. But... The hope is all that gets better. Otherwise, you're starting from scratch next season, right? Yeah. And the nice thing about, you know, being a team that ha- doesn't have a ton of talent is that you get to try new guys, and one of those guys might step up and play well. So we see that sometimes with, you know, like the Lions, right? Where you got to kind of suck Amon Rossi and Brown. Oh, we were able to just put him in whatever position would work for him because of, you know, we have no talent around him. And he, he actually showed some things, and now we can start to build. So to me, that's still where the, the Giants are at, though, as a rebuilding team. Yeah. I think I agree. So I guess the thing is, what what's the most likely scenario for this offense to get better? Is it that Tony is healthy and looks awesome? Yeah, it's that Tony and Galladay go back to what we expected, go, become what they ex- we expected them to be. I think Evan Neal lives up to the hype, and then Daniel Jones improves. I think that's the – which, that's not crazy. Like, that's not impossible that that happens. I think the craziest thing to happen out of those is that Daniel Jones improves. And even that doesn't seem out of the park, but it just, you know – uh you can kind of do it with any team, which is why I'm a little bit lower on them. Yeah. Well, at the same time, if their wide receivers, if their receivers are healthy um, and playing up to their potential, Jones by default probably looks better, even if he's not a better quarterback. So sure. Certainly. I think all of that, all of that could go together to a better offense. But like I said, it's all theoretical now. So we don't actually know if this is actually going to be better. So I think 27th is fair with the room to go grow. Yeah. I think the worst part about this Giants team is going to be the coverage unit. Uh, really, I, I have some concerns about corner in particular. I like Adore Jackson. He's shown some nice things, but outside of that, uh, you know, Aaron Robinson, who was, you know, a 2021 third rounder who really didn't show much in his 250 snaps, 
Uh, you also have uh, Darnay Holmes, who was a 2020 fourth rounder, who was not great in a small sample size. Don't really know who's going to end up filling out that cornerback room. There's still time in the offseason. That remains to be said for all these teams. But as of right now, that's looking a bit tough. Uh, Safety is a little bit better. McKinney, Xavier McKinney is very good, but he's kind of holding this. I think him and Adore Jackson are holding the secondary together. Julian Love and uh, uh, fourth rounder, they just drafted Dane Belton or kind of the other guys. I'm not sure how confident I feel in those guys. Hey, mid-round safeties tend to work out sometimes, so it's not out of the question. Uh, also, uh, you know, for linebackers, uh, Blake Martinez and Tay Crowder, I'm not sure are going to move the needle too much coverage-wise. Uh, this is a tier five coverage unit for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, football football is a weak link sport. You mm-hmm. know, it's the it, it doesn't matter if you have superstars, if they're, you know, if there's terrible players around them. I mean, we saw, I, it's just that if you have two-fourths of a coverage unit, you don't have a coverage unit. Right. And like you said, even if you like McKinney and the best of Adoree Jackson, which I still think he can be a little inconsistent sometimes is my That's only fair. worry. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I mean, when you have two-fourths of a coverage unit, you don't have a coverage unit because they're going to be making up for the other two guys. Um, I think that's going to be a problem. Uh, I agree with everything you said. And then, you know, guys like Martinez have never really been coverage linebackers. Even if I thought he looked better last season, I still don't think he's that kind of guy. Yeah, I think so as well. And then to round out the, the defense with the front seven. So again, nice thing about Blake Martinez, though, is he does get tackles. Can't take that away from him. He will rack <laughs> up tackles. Uh, interior defensive line with Dexter Lawrence and Leonard Williams in the front is very good. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, I think, should come in right away and play well. Uh, with you know, yeah, you know, also as the edge with Aziz Ojolari, who could potentially grow and get better. Uh, Quincy Roche, another guy. Uh, you also have a uh, Jihad Ward to round up the edges. You also have uh, you know, Justin Ellis, a fifth round pick, DJ Davidson. So there's guys who can play here. Uh, in this, I'm giving it a tier three run defense grade and a tier two pass rush. I like Thibodeau a lot, and Lawrence and Williams are guys who can pass rush from the inside. So yeah. that's kind of what's interesting about the pass rush unit. So those guys are solid. Still not enough to entirely move the needle, especially with the bad coverage, which is where most of that, you know, most of the wins in the defense is going to come from, which is also very fluky. And, you know, trying to predict coverage is hard. But I have them as the 27th ranked defense, which puts them at 4.16 total wins, 30th in football, 15th in the NFC, according to my projections. All right. Uh, I'd probably predict them a little more. I probably wouldn't go higher than like six, so I'm not going to nitpick too much. But mm-hmm. at the same time, and it, a lot of that has to do with, like I said, easiest schedule in football. I feel like there are wins on the board for them. Um, yeah, I mean, this pass rush group is probably its strength, where you got guys like it, I. I think Williams is a little overpaid, but at the same time, I think he's a solid football player. Yeah. Um, I think Ojolari showed promise, and I think he's going to get better. Mm-hmm. I really like Thibodeau out of the draft. I think that's just those three guys right there as a pass rushing group is a really nice unit, never mind with Lawrence there too. Um, they're going to have a huge burden on their hands, though, because they're going to have to you know, get after quarterbacks for this coverage unit to look decent. So I think that this is going to be a uh, – I think it's a tough job for them, but I think that they have talent there, definitely. Yeah, so I guess just to wrap up the Giants, I, I still think this is the rebuilding year. I think that you're trying to see what you have in certain players. Uh, there is the potential for this to do a lot better. I think the potential for this to really be a serious contender in the NFC feels virtual, like virtually zero. I think that I would be stunned if this is the team that is in the conference championship game. Uh, definitely that. Like, I think if everything goes right, they mm-hmm. maybe win the division. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And that's with like 
the receivers improving, Saquon having a bounce back season, and Jones looking competent at the position. I think it wouldn't be crazy that they win the division, but that's basically my ceiling. I don't see this team going on a playoff run or anything like that. The question I have is like, so if this starts to go south fast, how quickly do you look into bottoming out? Because, I mean, you're not a draft guy until the you know few months before the draft. Mm-hmm. There's two guys who are going to go top two in the draft at quarterback. Uh, yeah. And so if you're looking at one of those two guys – not that I love endorsing tanking or anything like that, but it's something you'd probably have to consider if you're a Giants front office personnel coaching staff. If you want to try and get into that position to get one of those guys, how quickly do you start looking for that situation? Uh, quite frankly, I think you should always be looking into it. I think it, it should already be something in your mindset. I mean, getting a quarterback, an elite quarterback, is so important. If you believe in one of these guys that's going to come out, like I think you should already be considering it. Yeah, I, I I think I agree too. I just, I don't love tanking, but at the same time, I get why teams do it. So I can't really fault it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think it's a completely understandable. It'll be interesting to see what happens with this team. Like I said, I think best case scenario, things could kind of work out in their favor and they're competitive, but I think it's asking a lot of things to go right. That might not go right. Yeah. Uh, let's move on. Who's going to finish third in this division. According to Kyle, uh, let's keep it. Let's keep it somewhat chalky. I think this team has upside, but I'm going to go with the Washington Commanders. Formerly the Balls. Um, hey, there's still there's still the Balls on the banner here. I am not changing it yet. Although I did write Washington in front of it because I figured some people are going to directly go to their team and people might be confused about who are the Balls. If so, uh, just for the new new uh, people, I did write Washington there along with still keeping the Balls <laughs> in the name. The ball's forever. Um, mm-hmm. let's, so, I mean, there's still upside with this team. I still think it's got an awesome defensive line. I think the secondary, I think, should be better. Um, and you know what? Is Carson Wentz a perfect quarterback? No. But I think he's competent enough to make things work. So, And that's what they didn't have. They didn't have competency at quarterback, and I thought it really hurt. So I think that it should be better for this group, and I still think there's upside here. I think I just like the top two teams a little bit more, so I got them at third. Yeah, uh, I think that's fair. So, uh, you know, I did a, I put posted a poll on the community tab here on YouTube, on my YouTube channel, uh, asking the audience of Jackson Crew Sports, uh, who do you think will win the division? The Giants were in fifth place. The Balls slash Commanders are finished in 11, uh, or fifth, uh, excuse me, not fifth place, fourth place with 5%. Uh, the Washington Balls, uh, third place with 11%. So uh, you and the community are uh, in lockstep here. As always, it starts with the two guys at the top. Ron Rivera, head coach. He was 15th on my rankings, so get a slight upgrade with Ron Rivera because you get uh, 0.05 wins for Ron Rivera, so there you go. Uh, And then Carson Wentz uh, at uh, 21st. He just made the Tier 3 quarterback rankings, which, listen, I don't think the Carson Wentz contract is ever going to result in a Super Bowl win. I do think it could result in a playoff berth, and I think that, like, he does help the team win games and it's better than going into a season with Taylor Heineke. It's just probably not going to end up having you host the Lombardi trophy. Yeah. Uh, I, or I think, Sorry. yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I think that there's, I think it should be better, but that's the question is how much better is it going to be? Mm-hmm. Um, we saw the Colts take this chance with wins last year. There was some good and obviously bad towards the end of the season, mm-hmm. specifically the last game. Um, and they just got to avoid that. Uh, the good news that Wentz is going to have with this team is this is is this the best wide wide receiver room he's ever played with? 
I think I would put his Super Bowl winning team uh, ahead of this one, but it's very good. So just to yeah. reiterate what it is, you have Terry McLaurin, who's he's a true number one. There's no denying that. And I think Curtis Samuel, when healthy, is a true number two. Uh, you know, we didn't get to see him last year, but uh, that much or at all. I can't remember. We might have played a little. I'm trying to remember. But, uh, you know, him back could help a lot. Your guy, Jahan Dotson, who they drafted, could be a big you know, at least the nice thing about him is he doesn't have to be a number one or two. He can be a number three behind Samuel, behind McLaurin. Uh, Logan Thomas is a good third option as well uh, at a tight end position. He could be a fourth option. Dimey Brown and Cam Sims can at least make good depth, if nothing else. So this is a tier two wide receiving core for me. Yeah, I think I agree with that. And, uh, you know, if Thomas can stay healthy, I think that's big for tight end. Uh, I don't know what it is about Washington and tight ends, but it seems like they're never healthy. Uh, uh-huh. I think Thomas has a lot of talent, though, and I think that's upside there. Dotson, like you said, I think he is going to – I think this is a good situation for him to be that number three guy. I think he's going to be able to work well in the slot. And you know what? I thought it was a smart draft pick, too, because wide receiver is an important position nowadays. And I think prioritizing having two or three options – or three or four options, obviously, over just two is really important. We saw it with a lot of teams, especially at the top last season. They're stacking up those receivers. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how this McLaurin contract thing works out, but it sounds like he's going to play this year. And, um, yeah, I'm excited for this group. Yeah, Is anyone who plays at least eight games a year on FedEx Field really healthy? I feel, I feel like, you know, maybe, that's, maybe it's not a tight end Washington thing. Maybe it's just, uh, hey, you've played on the worst field uh, ever created. It might be. I don't know. I mean, the fans aren't even safe there. So, I mean, who knows at this point? <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, and people uh, being near Dan Snyder aren't safe either. But that's, uh, you know, a yeah. conversation for another podcast. Uh, let's move on to the offensive line. A good offensive line here as well. We've got some good offensive lines in this division. Uh, Samuel Cosme, who was a second-round pick in 2021 and played well last year. You also have Charles Leno Sr., who's been a consistent tackle for, you know, really the past five years or so. Kind of one of those guys who... Uh, sort of a veteran who can just hire and you know you can just sign and he'll be solid for you. You also uh, the guards are interesting. You got a couple of guys who have shown flashes, although they haven't quite been exactly the same as of late, but have still been solid. And Andrew Norwell and Trey Turner, uh, Turner from the Steelers, formerly of the Panthers, and then Norwell, who most recently was with the Jaguars. Uh, so that's interesting. We'll see how that goes. That could be really good for them and pr- a pretty high floor as well. Also, Chase uh, Rollier. Rollier, uh, names are never going to be my thing. This is one of the worst things about these previews. He's trying to pronounce everyone's name, but he's a very good center as well. This is a tier two offensive line for me. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with that. I think everything's really good. Like you said, the guards, I think, are the biggest question, but I think it should work out. And I think they got nice depth too. So I think there's plenty of options here. Um, I think it's a solid offense. I think across the board, you think, like you said, there's a couple tier twos in there. So I think you have to feel good about that. Yeah, uh, on top of this, you know, just to round out the offense, uh, halfbacks, I'm giving tier four with Antonio Gibson, J.D. McKissick, and Brian Robinson, their third rounder. All guys I like. Nope, none of them I love, though. I'm not sure if any of those guys are a top 20 uh, halfback, so it's it's still tier four for me, but it shouldn't be a disaster, which puts their offense, I actually have their offense tied for fifth best in football uh, here with 6.51 expected wins. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I think the whole sum looks solid. I I don't think it'll end up the fifth best offense in football just because I don't think a Carson Winslow offense will end <laughs> up in the top five. But at the same time, you look across the roster and there's not a lot of weaknesses on this group at all. Um, and I, I think I like Gibson a little bit more than you. And I think across this board, like I, 
I like Robinson. I like Jared Patterson as their fourth running back too. I think there's pretty good players across this roster. Yeah, and big part of this too is like, okay, obviously not all uh, 10 quarterbacks who were in tier three are the exact same. And, you know, Carson Wentz being the 10th best out of those 10, like, you know, he probably will be a little bit worse than those other nine, which will bring him down a little bit. But in another part of it too is like, the top four were like significantly higher than like five through like 10. So that's also kind of what happened there. But still, I think it's a, an underrated offense. I think so too. I think it's going to be interesting. Yeah. And the defense, I think, is solid as well. So uh, starting off with coverage, you have, again, uh, the cornerbacks. I think William Jackson is going to be a real key to this team. Can we see William Jackson bounce back? You know, uh, defensive backs are so fluky. Who knows? They're so, such an important position, but nobody can ever t- figure out who's good and who isn't. Seems like, a, you know, year in, year out, it's so different. But uh, he wasn't great last year, has been great in the past. What will happen there? Kendall Fuller was great last year. Uh, you also have Danny Johnson, who should be a solid number three, uh, and Benjamin St. Juice, who's supposed to just depth. Uh, safety uh, stop. Safeties are also solid with Cameron Curl, Bobby McCann, and they even drafted someone in the fourth round in Percy Butler, uh, along with uh, Cole Holcomb and Jamon Davis. Coverage at the linebacking position has to get better, but this is, uh, I still have it as a, a tier three coverage unit. It was disappointing last year, did show some flashes. I'm going to hope that it kind of starts to regress back or guess progress back to where it's supposed to be. But uh, that's definitely an interesting question mark here. Yeah. I think there's a few things to be interested about in this group. Like you said, Jackson has to be better. He was paid the contract that he was to be much better than he was last season. And if, if that's good, then all of a sudden two really good cornerbacks on this team, I St. Juice, it was the guy I really liked too out of the draft. I, he's just a ton of length. And then you're hoping Davis with the middle linebacker spot, that's usually a position that takes a year or two to kind of get under your feet, especially in the coverage aspect. And I think the hope is he's better in coverage this season because they really need him to be better in coverage. Uh, Like you said, that was probably that was probably the biggest weakness of this group last year and really hurt this team, I thought, in some big games was just this linebacker's inability to cover the middle of the field. I think that'll be huge for this team this season if he's better. Yeah, to round out the defense, uh, as you said, Holcomb and Davis and what they can do. You know, Davis did do, I think, a solid job in the run defense. Needs to just be a little bit more patient, I think, really what it comes down to. Interior is good. Uh, Jonathan Allen, uh, Darren Payne. uh, You also have uh, Fender and Mathis, who was a 2022 second rounder. Uh, Also, you know, the young uh, edge rushers who have been very good in Montez Sweat and Chase Young on top of this. And you got some depth with James Smith-Williams and Chasey to Hill to round out the, uh, you know, the edge rushes, but really it's, it's young and sweats uh, spots there. It's a tier two run defense and a tier two pass rush for me. Uh, I think, uh, you know, a lot to like about this stuff. They are the 13th best defense, according to me, which puts them at the 15th best overall team, according to me, which would be seventh in the NFC and the third wildcard team with 10.74 wins. I do have the balls as a playoff team. Uh, Joey Sly gets them no points, tier five kicker. But other than that, uh, I think I think a team that's pretty consistent all around. Yeah, it looks like a solid team top to bottom. Like I said, I like their depth. Uh, this defensive line is awesome for me. I think it's going to get even better as this team continues to get older because it's you know still a lot of young guys too. So I really like this group. Um, yeah, I mean, I really like everything about this team. I think that there's I guess the one thing is like, it's just kind of waiting for some of these guys to turn into real stars. It feels like, right? Like Mm -hmm. McLaurin's probably the closest thing to that. But like, if like Yum makes the leap to like defensive player of the year conversation, um, 
Sweat makes the leap to like kind of that Pro Bowl conversation consistently, um, week in, week out. And then maybe Jackson bounces back to his normal form. I think then you're looking at a really, really good football team. It's just looking for those guys to really kind of turn into stars and reach their potential. Yeah, I think so as well. I also think like, you know, how does this team, like, again, how does this team end up in the conference championship? I think that's where things get hard. It's like a lot of this stuff looks like they're complete in a lot of different areas, but really what it would have to probably be would be William Jackson goes back to his, you know, what we've seen him at his best. And like you said, like some of the young guys really go, go get very good. And I guess the other thing would be if Carson Wentz, you know, finally regains the MVP form, which I, I've given up on hoping, but I guess there's always a chance. Uh, yeah, I think I agree with all that. It's just going to be interesting to see because, I mean, it's just like a stark contrast to some of these teams in the division where it's like, you know, I think it's a really good roster, but just missing those stars where we see other teams with stars, but mm-hmm. missing a lot of things in the roster as we're going to get to here soon. Um, so, yeah, <laughs> Who I mean, could you I, be referring to there. Yeah, exactly. Literally with the stars. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, I mean, I think there's reason for optimism in the uh, in the balls. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Because I think this was a team we were both pretty high on last season, and it mm-hmm. kind of stung both of us. Um, and it's going to be interesting to see if that if they can overcome that this year. Yeah, it's funny because I had them as a playoff team last year, I think around the same spot, around like 10 wins as a, sort of a, a fringe playoff team. Didn't go out there too well there, but I still kind of you know think that the roster is pretty complete. We'll see if it works out. So two teams, uh, just to give the the poll, the poll had 28% saying the Cowboys would win the NFC East. Well, uh, a majority, 56%, said the Eagles would win the NFC East. Do you agree with the poll? Who do you have at number two here? Uh, I'm flipping this late just because there's one team that I want to pick to win the division, even though I'm not – like, I don't think it's as talented, but I want to pick them to win the division. So I'm taking the Cowboys at two. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I mean, there's still things to like about this team a lot. I mean, obviously you got, I think, a good starter – a very good starter in Dak Prescott. Maybe not a great starter, but a very good starter. Uh, they did lose some pieces on this uh, on this offense, but, you know, C.D. Lamb, Michael Gallup, Dalton Schultz, that's a good pass-catching group. Uh, even though I don't love Ezekiel Elliott in his contract, Tony Pollard is a solid backup. And then across the board, you're like, okay, pretty good player, pretty good player. Uh, and then the star power on this team is just insane where it's just like, okay, you can see a couple of these guys on this defense taking over games. You can see a couple of guys on this offense taking over games. And that's where this team's path to winning the division and potentially making a run to an NFC championship game, I think possible is just because they have stars at turns. And that's the big thing they have going for them. Yes. Kyle. uh, Okay. This is my hot take. Uh, The giant, the Dallas Cowboys are the 2021 Miami Dolphins. This is my concern with the, uh, I guess, let me just, I'm just, I'm, I have concerns about the Dallas Cowboys and their depth in particular. Yeah. Uh, we'll get into it. We'll talk about all of it. I think we're going to disagree on this and that's makes for good podcasting, which is good. Uh, but the, we'll start at the top. Dak Prescott is a tier three quarterback. I had him at 14th. So, and again, this is part of where like, okay, obviously Dak Prescott is better than Carson Wentz. So like them being in the same tier is kind of weird, but at the same time, like those, you know, those positions typically don't add a ton of value. There's some more value there. Uh, also, Mike McCarthy was our 30th or my 30th <laughs> ranked head coach. So uh, that hurts them a little. Yeah. I don't mind Prescott at 14th. I think I had him a little bit higher when we did it. And I think that's kind of how the draft played out. I think he's in that frame. He's to me in that tier with, you know, the Cousins, Carr, Tannehill, 
that group. Now, if you have him at the bottom, I guess he probably ranks out as a tier three quarterback. If you have him at the top, he's probably ranked out as a tier two quarterback. So mm-hmm. it really just kind of depends on where you rank him among those guys. But I think he's in that group. Um, obviously, you know, I think it was two years ago I had him as the seventh best quarterback in football. It just mm-hmm. doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. Even though he's putting up yards in this offense and it works for him, I just don't know if he's ever going to have that level of quarterback play. Yeah. For Prescott, it seems like he goes when the offense goes. He is one. Obviously, every quarterback is going to get better when you're in a better situation. But it seems like he is kind of the, uh, you know, he's the exact uh, kind of guy you'd point to when you say gets better when the offense is better, gets worse when the offense is worse. Nice thing is there is some stuff, solid stuff about this offense. I have it as a tier one offensive line with uh, Tyron Smith, who is, you know, he played over 800 snaps last year. So all the, can he be on the field? Well, he was on the field a good amount last year and was fantastic when he was there. Uh, Connor McGovern and Terrence Steele to be the other uh, tackle. Maybe that's probably the weakness spot. Uh, and also maybe Tyler Smith, who was a first down pick, but will he be able to step in right away? But with Zach Martin, who's also just elite. So you have two elite guys and then uh, Tyler uh, Badaz, Badaz, who should be a solid center as well. Center names are just impossible to pronounce. Uh, <laughs> I had this as a tier one offensive line because I feel like they have depth as well on top of this. And, you know, their bad positions shouldn't be horrible. And they have some really good uh, offensive linemen here as well. Uh, yeah, I think they need the rookie to really work out, which, you mm-hmm. know, you draft a rookie in the first round because you think he's going to be good. But I feel like, you know, it's been hit or miss the past few years with offensive linemen. So I think that's a big thing. Um I think Steele's solid enough. Obviously, he's not Lyle Collins, but I think he's still right. good. And like you said, you know, this this group did, had death problems, I thought, in years past. You let a guy like Collins go because you need to kind of fill in that de- those death pieces. And I feel like they have that a little bit more. So, like, if a Tyler Smith struggles, I think they have the room to take him out and put a Connor McGovern in or a thing like that. So I think it still works out for them. Yeah, uh, the weapons are interesting. So for the halfbacks, I have it as tier three. Tony Pollard, if he was like, if I knew he'd be the starter, I might bump him up to tier two. Uh, he probably should be the starter, but Ezekiel, it's the one who gets the touches, who hasn't been as good these past few years, and I'm not going to count on that getting better. Uh, for running backs, what have you done for me lately? So that's tier three. Wide receiving core, also tier three for me. Uh, CeeDee Lamb has shown he's a fantastic number two. Can he be a number one? That's a question. Michael Gallup has shown he's a fantastic number three. Can he be a number two? That remains to be a question. Drafted Jalen Tolbert in third round. Uh, you also have James Washington, who's, like, in my opinion, depth and nothing more. Dalton Schultz is good, uh, but there's a lot of good receiving cores. This is at the top of the tier three, but this is still tier three for me uh, for the Dallas wide receiving core. I I think I agree because I think it's theoretical still, but I mean, I really like ZD Lamb and I think he's going to project out as a number one receiver. Uh, and I think now that he's given the opportunity, he will be. Um, but yeah, I mean, I still think it's a little bit theoretical of can these guys step up? I feel like we've been waiting for James Washington to be good for a few years now. Um, I like Schultz. So I think there's upside, like you said, to bump this into a tier two, but I think we need to see it first before we can grade it. I think that's all right on the offense though. Yeah. So I have the offense. It's still a solid offense. 13th best, uh, with 5.76 or excuse me, 5.79 wins for the offense so they're only like oh you know they're, they're within a win of the washington offense even though there's a big jump in placement there uh it's a solid offense and i like the pass rush as well the transition right there obviously everyone likes the pass rush you got micah parsons you got uh demarcus lawrence and you even have some other guys who i think could do well they have depth at the edge rush position dante fowler jr uh dorance armstrong uh you know they have uh, sam williams who was a second round pick who has a good pass rush analytics not really 
run defense, but we're talking Bash Rush right now. Uh, Terrell Basham could be another good depth guy. Uh, and then the you know the interior defensive line, going to just try to run down some of the names real quick uh, with uh, Carlos Watkins and uh, Chauncey Goldson, who are you know both all right. Uh, Osa Idwigzu, Idwigza, uh, sorry, <laughs> well, Osa, uh, who again, really mostly depth and nothing else. Same thing with like Tristan Hill and Neville Galmore, but uh, again, got through it, we made it through all those names. Uh, I like the pass rush, tier two pass rush for me. Don't love the interior enough to put it up to tier one, but and plus, how much snaps will Michael Parsons get at pass rush? That hurts it a little bit, but you know, there's still depth at the edge rush position. Lawrence will still be good. Uh, it's a tier two pass rush for me. Uh, yeah, I agree. I think Basham will probably take over for Fowler. I'm not a huge Fowler fan, Dante Fowler, but at the same time, when you strike out on your first two defensive ends in free agency, I don't think he's a bad third option. Because they missed out on bringing back, um, what's his face, um, Randy Gregory, and then mm-hmm. they missed out on Von Miller, so they kind of went to Fowler. I don't think it's terrible. I think Basham, like I said, will eventually take that spot. But yeah, I mean this this group is Lawrence and Parsons are gonna rack up a ton of pressures. I think rack up a ton of sacks, and then uh, yeah, I mean we can get more into the Parsons thing here. So if he develops into this complete linebacker, what exactly? What what is the best case for him? Do you want him to be this jack of all trades player? Do you want him to be the elite pass rusher he is? How do you want to how do they handle this Parsons development? And how do how do they deploy this weapon on defense to where I mean there's real, you know, defensive player of the year potential, multiple time defensive player of the year potential with this guy. Oh yeah. I mean, he was in the conversation last year. So Micah Parsons, I think with him in particular, I want them to use him how they've used him. I think they've done an absolutely fantastic job with him. Uh, let him do different things because when you do different things, as long as you're going to use r- properly and you're getting put in the right situation, you just have better personnel on the field for specific coverages and for specific plays, even if it's the same person. So uh, I think exactly the way they're doing it. And yeah, you hope his coverage gets a little better. It was still fine last year, but you hope it gets better. Uh, and that would be probably enough to, you know, uh, I think just use them the same way. Yeah, I think I agree. And I, th- I think things are just going to naturally get better as he gets older and, you know, sees more reps. I th- I, there's a lot of optimism here with this group. Yeah. Speaking about the, you know, the front, uh, this is where things start to get off the rails for the Cowboys, really. Uh, with, you know, Leighton Van Der Esch, I think is fine. Uh, you know, maybe hasn't lived up to that hype that he had after his rookie year. Again, already talked about Micah Parsons. Uh, Jabril Cox, a fourth rounder last year, who I thought, uh, you know, maybe has potential. We haven't seen much from him. But uh, as I mentioned, that kind of weak interior defensive front concerns me. I just a tier five run defense. I, I have real concerns about this interior and how they will be able to stop the run. Uh, yeah, I think that's fair. And they've already lost one linebacker to the season. Uh, they lost Bond and OTAs. So mm-hmm. um, I know Van Der Esch ended up playing 17 games last season, but I still have questions about, you know, durability there. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, I think, you know, if, if Van Der Esch is going down, even though I don't think he's as good as, like you said, he was hyped to begin with, if he ends up going down again, I like Cox, but how do the rest of these guys, <laughs> that, that's a good sound, <laughs> you know, I like Jabril Cox, but at the same time, as you go down the rest of this list, if a guy like Van Der Esch goes out, uh, how does this, how does this roster work at the, at the interior position? Yeah, someone just uh, edited out that clip that you said uh, right there. The, the fantastic stuff. Yeah, that's uh, that's a concern for me, certainly. And I have more concerns. I have the concerns of this coverage unit. Listen, uh, they have all-pro Trayvon Diggs, who, uh, you know, we've talked about this to death. 
guy who gets a lot of uh, you know big plays, also gave up the most yards in football last year. So only guy to give up over a thousand yards last year. That's the that's a concern. And I don't know. I guess I just don't know what to make of Trayvon Diggs. Uh, you know, is he going to be this great player? Is he not? Like th- that's a huge question mark. And if he is an All Pro corner, I think this team looks a lot better. But I'm I'm not willing to bet on it necessarily. And I also think I have some concerns about just the rest of their uh, cornerback room. You have Anthony Brown, who's fine, but he's not spectacular. Uh, and then it's, you know, Kelvin Joseph, a second rounder who only played 138 snaps last year. You have a fifth rounder, uh, Deron Bland, who might end up getting some playing time. Uh, safety position is good. Malik Hooker is good. Uh, Jaylon Curse is good. And Donovan Wilson is solid. So the safeties I don't have an issue with, but the corner and corner depth in particular, even if Diggs is awesome, there's still some depth issues here. I have it as a tier four coverage unit because I do like the safeties and I do like some of what Diggs brings. I think their linebackers should be fine, but uh, I can't put this better than tier four and coverage. Is, you know, there's a lot of wins in the coverage unit. There's over four wins potentially for the coverage unit and they're not getting many with the tier four. I mean, you mentioned, you mentioned earlier that, you know, defensive back can be a fluky position. Mm-hmm. If Diggs has like three picks next year, as opposed to 11, I mean, we're talking about, you know, serious problems at this position, right? Yeah, well, and that's kind of why I made the, the the Miami Dolphins comparison, where it's like they got so much. The Cowboys got so many turnovers last year. I just don't know if we can bank on that again. And if those turnovers dry up, which I would probably expect to happen, I think this defense looks a lot worse. I think I agree. Uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with all this. I mean, they still have guys like Lawrence, who I think are great. And mm-hmm. they still have guys like Parsons, who I think could win Defensive Player of the Year, like I said. But you're expecting a lot to kind of work out the same way that it did. I don't think it's necessarily fair to just assume that's going to happen. Especially, I mean, listen, the Dolphins did it again last season. But the the statistics on turnover luck are still heavily skewed too. It's a luck-based statistic. And mm-hmm. it's not luck- likely to happen multiple years in a row. And so if this goes the other way on them, I think it's going to be tough. Yeah, we have a super chat uh, from Zachary Stewart saying, uh, Fred Durst, I mean, Dan Quinn, was good at player development last year. So maybe he can develop these corners. That, that's fair. That is true. He ha- he has shown that he can be a good uh, developmental guy. And listen, I was wrong about the Cowboys last year. I didn't have them make the playoffs last year, and they did. So maybe I, this is just a blind spot for me. But I have this defense as 23rd. In football, also, uh, you know, an undrafted free agent kicker in Jonathan Garibay. That is a, a tier five kicker for me as well. So kicking needs to work, you know, get better in the NFC East. But I have him at 6.71 total wins. That is 24th in football, 10th in the NFC. If I had to bet, I'd probably bet on them overperforming my, my algorithm of 6.71. But I do think this is going to be a disappointing season for Cowboys fans. Yeah, Um I think it's. I think there's very well a possibility for it. I still think they're going to be okay because I just think parts of this group are, you know, the the offense is going to be a top ten offense in the league. I just think it's going to happen. I think that this defense is going to have enough big splash plays, even though I, I don't think they'll have the number of turnovers that they did last season. Um, I still think there's another number of big splash plays as far as the sack goes, as far as the pressure goes, that they'll be able to make it work. And then, I mean. It, it's going to be interesting to see how they start the season because, I mean, you're going with Tampa Bay to start the season, Cincinnati the second week, the Giants should be a win, but then you got Washington, which is a big division game, at Los Angeles, and then another big division game at Philadelphia. That's a tough schedule to start the year. 
Yeah, uh, interesting stuff. Uh, over under on 0.5 quarterback draws the uh, Cowboys run next year. <laughs> uh, I would say over, under with less than 15 seconds in the game. And, uh, you know, uh-huh. they need to get 30 yards to get in field goal range. Mm-hmm. How great would it be if they did it again and it worked? I mean, that, Mike McCarthy, <laughs> would like, he'd be talking with that decades from now. Yeah, he would make sure everybody remembers that. Yeah, uh, Nicholas Gill says he has the Cowboys finishing seven and ten. So me and Nicholas Gill uh, in lockstep. So just to clarify, you have the Giants around five wins, just under five wins. Mm-hmm. You have the Cowboys just over six wins, and then you have the uh, the Commandos at ten ten and a half wins. Yeah. So the uh, Giants are at four point one six, so just barely over four. The Cowboys at six point seven one, and then uh, let me pull up the 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 balls here real quick i never know what to put them in my notes so i put, I put balls but uh that's always a, just a behind the scenes frustrating thing for me 10.74 uh wins for the balls so uh that is where i have those three teams all right so i don't know if this team's en- then gonna end up, i think i know who's gonna win your division based on that um but that being said I'm going to stick with my theme here. I'm picking the Philadelphia Eagles to win this division. I thought they made clear roster upgrades throughout this uh, offseason. I thought they did a very good job making this team better. Uh, and once again, I mean, so all of these teams in the NFC East kind of have easy schedules because they play each other and they play the Giants twice. Uh-huh. But once again, the Eagles have, according to Sharp Analytics, they have the second easiest schedule in football behind only the Giants. And that starts off right away at the beginning of the season where they got you know, games at Detroit to open the season. They're home against Minnesota, which will be tough, but they also got Jacksonville on the schedule. Um, there's winnable games here. They got a schedule that kind of caters to their favor. Um, there's going to be an interesting season for the Eagles because I thought, you know, it was kind of playing with house money last year because there is no expectations. And now I feel like there's going to be a lot of expectations for this team. How do they respond? Yeah, uh, I, yeah, interesting stuff. Let's get into it. Starting at the top, I think the biggest expectations start with those two guys, Jalen Hurts and Nick Sirianni, who I had as 18th, uh, both respectively. So that's tier three for Jalen Hurts and then 18th for Sirianni. So he actually loses a tenth of a win being 18th, but uh, I could easily see him improving uh, from there. There's a lot of good coaches. Uh, he's you know shown that he's at least a solid one right away. I think Jalen Hurts, that's the big question of what do we have from Hurts. But I think at least he has a, a, a low... At least he has a high floor, which I like. I think he has a high floor. Great fantasy option, too, if you're interested in that stuff. Um, Yeah, I mean, so if you go through this, it's going to be interesting because I I really liked what Sirianni did to end the season. I thought he really, you know, kind of improved week by week. That's something I really like out of coaches when they learn through mistakes. Um, I really liked what he did with this team. I thought he was one of the more impressive rookie head coaches, uh, even if he didn't get all the praise. And uh, yeah, I mean, this kind of feels like a make or break year for Jalen Hurts, too, even if it might be a little unfair in just his second full season as a starter, because, I mean, you look across this offense and you're going to get into it here. There's no excuse not to be pretty good with this offense, at least. Yeah, I totally agree. And a good segue into what this offense is. Uh, I think kind of maybe the weak spot is the running backs, but the running backs are still solid with Miles Sanders kind of gain well. Uh, Boston Scott, who are all solid players. I have that as tier four, just because, again, are any of those guys a top 20 back? To me, no, but they're all still solid. So uh, I still got it as tier four. Um, but the real, uh, you know, the highlights of this offense is the offensive line and receiving core, which are really what matter more. Uh, receiving core, Devonta Smith, A.J. Brown, 
though that's a you know as good of a one-two as you're going to see in the NFL. Uh, only a couple have better than that. And even like Quez Watkins brings something to an offense. Uh, you know, Zach Pascal and Jalen Rager, I'm not going to hold my breath on, but Dallas Goddard is very good as well. This is a tier two wide receiving core for me. It was actually sixth best only the top five make tier one. So that's how close it was to being tier one. The offensive line isn't just tier one. It's number one in football for me. This is the fantastic mm-hmm. offensive line. Jordan Mailata, Lane Johnson for the tackles, Landon Dickerson, who played guard last year and played it well uh, with Jason Kelsey being, you know, remaining on at center and doing good stuff there. You also have uh, Isaac uh, Somalo, who has been a solid guard as well. He's probably the weak spot, but he's still solid. So uh, this offensive line, I mean, th- we'll talk about their defense as well. Eagles love their uh, linemen, and offensive line is fantastic. lot to like about this uh, offense. I have it as the seventh best offense in football with 6.4 uh, wins. So it's right there with the balls. It's only a little bit below them. A really good offense. Yeah, so uh, just hitting on a few quick points here. This is a fantastic offensive line. I think what's most impressive, too, is we we really liked this offensive line like two years ago, too. Then it looked really old really fast, and then they kind of plugged it in and kept going almost immediately. It's really impressive how they continue to plug and play with this Mm -hmm. offensive line and just been good, I thought, for a number of years. Um, Your running backs thing, I think I agree with the Tier 4 thing, but I do want to clarify, too, Eagles, number one running team in football last year, 2,715 yards on the ground. That's Mm -hmm. well over 100 yards to the second-best team, too. Uh, They were fourth in yards per attempt at 4.9 and first in rushing touchdowns. Part of that, too, is having Jalen Hurts as a quarterback, which Mm -hmm. is a tier one running quarterback. But at the same time, maybe not a superstar in that running back room, but they run the ball very well. And that's something that they improved on throughout the year. And then completely agree. Receivers are very good. Goddard is one of the best tight ends in football. Uh, Mm -hmm. You got Smith, who showed a lot of promise after his rookie season. And then A.J. Brown, of course, bringing him in. That's your true number one guy. That's a really good group. Those three. That's. I mean, quarterback's the biggest question on this offense. That's what it is to me, is how does this work with this quarterback? How does Hurts continue to develop? There are some things. I mean, Troy Aikman was ready to get out of his seat and go play for the Eagles of all team. He was Uh so pissed off during that playoff game. Um, If he can improve, this is going to be a really good group that it could, I think not only, you, you said seventh, if he can improve, I think this is bordering top five, four, three offensive mm-hmm. football. It's a complete group. Yeah, I mean, if, if Jalen Hurts would be a tier one quarterback next year, this is this could be the best offense in football. Like that's how loaded this team is. I mean, if he's you know, if he can work his way into that, you know, as I said earlier, that Tannehill Carr Dak Cousins group, if he's in that group as a fringe two or three guy, I think this is one of the best offenses in football. I, I really think that. Yeah, and the defense is not is not too shabby either. I have this as the best run defense in football on top of that. With I mean so many options in this defensive line, right? Uh, Brandon Graham, uh, edge rusher who, you know, uh, broke your heart uh, on a specific Super Bowl, Kyle. He had the, <laughs> the strip, strip sack fumble, uh, you know, on Tom Brady in, you know, that Super Bowl. Uh, you also have Derek Barnett, Josh Sweat, Hassan Reddick on the edge, not to mention Javon Hargrave, Fletcher Cox. And, oh, yeah, you drafted Jordan Davis on top of that for the interior. And then TJ Edwards and Kazir White are very good linebackers as well. Uh, this is a team that's it's gonna it's gonna stop the run. You're not gonna get much. I still have it as a tier two pass rush, just because like okay, who of those edge rushers is elite? Not really any of them. They're all good, but none of them are elite. I don't think. Maybe Brandon Graham, but you know Brandon Graham two years ago. Sure, I'm not sure about this year. Uh, but still, a lot of options. Tier two pass rush, tier one run defense for me. Yeah, I mean, I, 
I mean, Reddick might be their best pass rusher. Um, yeah, so yeah, he's I mean, very good. Yeah, I mean, there's depth on this thing, group two. Um, I really like their draft picks. Jordan Davis and Nicobe Dean, I think, are going to be fascinating on this defense, too. They're mm-hmm. in positions that historically take a little bit of time, but like, I mean, Jordan Davis is going to take up space, if anything. Like, that's just, yeah. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott is just going to run into him and fall over for, you know, <laughs> 20 carries that he gets. Uh, mm-hmm. in that Cowboys game. Um, you you got that soundbite earlier that says, I like Cox. It's that I love Flock Cox when it's Fletcher Cox. I mean, that guy, <laughs> that's just one of my, that's one of the guys I just have adored watching over the years. Fletcher Cox is fantastic. I mean, yeah, you go through this group. I mean, you can go too deep on the defensive line and the linebacker group and like all of these players. I mean, that's how mm-hmm. good I feel like this group is top to bottom. I really like this front seven. Yeah, and the thing about uh, Davis as well is like, so my concern about Jordan Davis was I felt like he's sort of a, a one-trick pony who is great at that one trick. Well, it's like, if that's all he is, like that's still a very valuable asset for the Philadelphia Eagles who don't need mm-hmm. him to be, you know, this uh, Vita Vea right off the bat, like he got some comparisons to. Yeah, he's going to be playing with pretty good defensive tackles no matter who's next to him anytime he's on the field. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just a fantastic it's a, it's a really good draft pick for them. And like I said, with those defensive tackles, when you have guys like Hargrave, Cox, and Davis in the middle of that uh defense, that's kind of the thing that makes Nicobe Dean successful in college is that he could kind of just see everything because mm-hmm. you view him as kind of that short linebacker. If he has a group ahead of him, I think he should really thrive in this defense too. Yeah. And to round out the defense with the coverage unit, uh, we already mentioned Edwards, White, and Dean as the linebackers, and then the uh, the safeties, you have Anthony Harris, Marcus Epps, and uh, Jaquiski Tart, who's you know solid, should be a good three for them. So safeties are good. Uh, corners should be good. I mean, you got some veterans here, and I guess that's the only concern with Darius Slay, who's played good. But again, you know, what are we going to see from Darius Slay? James Bradbury, I think similar thing. Of I think he should fit well in this scheme, but like, what are we going to see from him? I do like Avante Max as well. So I like this coverage unit. I'm going to give it tier three for me, but this could easily jump up to better than tier three as well. I like this defense. I have it as the 10th best in football, uh, which means I have the uh, Eagles as a whole, the 14th best team in the league, the sixth best team in the NFC, and the best team in the NFC East with 11.17 total wins. All right. So barely sneaking out over the commandos, the commandos and chiefs. Um, Mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, so this, this secondary, I think is going to be interesting because it's kind of patched together at this point. Cause I mean, Harris was there last year, but I mean, we'll see what exactly he can bring to the table. Tart, I think is fine. And then, like you said, Bradbury coming into the group. So it's kind of trying to patch together a good secondary. Um, that doesn't always scream success. Um, but I, I think it could work because I think all of these guys are at least solid to good players. So, like you said, we'll see how the secondary looks. It's not the youngest group, but I think that there's good players here. Yeah. Also, Jake Elliott, tier two kicker. So, good work. The kickers are improving there. Uh, but, yeah, uh, you know, like you said, I think that, again, co- every team could underperform or overperform based on coverage just because, like, who knows with coverage? It's such a wild card. And, like, you look at the teams that I was wrong about last year, in terms of this, it was like almost all like I was wrong about the coverage because you could that's and that's just you could make that same thing with everyone because coverage is just so fluky. Like the Buffalo Bills basically went from a great coverage unit to a horrible coverage unit to a great coverage unit, all while keeping the same guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. it, it really is the case. So I guess the thing is, is so what is your roadmap for the Eagles not winning this division? Well, for them not winning division, it's interesting. So I guess I think the coverage unit probably. 
you know, showing their age would probably be the number one way. I think if that happens, that would be a, a big concern because I don't see this. There's too many guys in that front seven for the run defense and pass rush to be bad. There just are. I don't see that happening. Um, again, anything's possible, but I see that to be a very small chance of happening. Uh, I also think that as long as Smith and Brown and Goddard are healthy, or at least two of those guys are healthy, there should be receiving options. They should be able to have a good running game with Hurts healthy. So again, injuries are always something that can derail anyone's team, anyone's season, but taking that out of the equation feels like the biggest way I could see them progressing would be their coverage, uh, you know, Bradbury and Slay showing their age. I think so too. Yeah, I mean, it would be the secondary kind of crumbles, and I mean, that's not going to be a good kit. That's not going to be good against a team like Dallas, at least. Um, I guess the thing would be for me too is like, so we kind of touched on. I don't want to say, oh well, if your quarterback stinks, because I think a lot of teams say, oh, if your quarterback progresses, it's not going to be mm-hmm. good. But I don't love the situation that Hurts didn't look NFL caliber in that playoff game. Now, granted. He's not going to face the Bucks defense every week, but is this a is this a path where it's kind of like maybe there's now a roadmap to stop this guy and prepare for this guy? Yeah, because like uh, you know he's not going to play. You're right, he's not going to play the Bucks defense every week, but he is going to if he makes the playoffs play a caliber defense like the Bucks at least once or twice during that run. So if they want to win a Super Bowl, so you're right, they're going to have to figure something out. And, and I do think that you know. Arm strength matters, and that stuff over the middle matters, and his arm strength wasn't great in that game. And that's kind of my concern is, like, how much better arm strength can you get? Everyone's will like to say, oh, he's been working on arm strength. This player's been working on arm strength. It's like, I think everyone works on arm strength. Like, if, you, if you're, an, you're an adult at this point, you've been, you know, he went to Alabama. He has been in, you know, NFL rooms for several years now. I'm not going to bank on his arm strength getting that much better. Uh, yeah, I think I agree. And mm-hmm. – at least for the Eagles, though, they have this roster. I think they have a good chance to win the division, and it's a very clear situation of how they get better is they go get a quarterback next season if they feel like they need to. Um, I mean, that's easier said than done, but it does kind of feel like the case for this team. It's about as complete as it gets, I feel like, for the NFC. Yeah, well, they have the draft capital to do that as well. Or maybe maybe they'll do sort of a Matthew Stafford trade next year. That, that wouldn't be the worst thing in the world. Yeah, I think there's options for them. I think this is a good team, though. I think that they can really compete uh, – do you see a path for this team making the Super Bowl? Let's go there. Yeah, I was thinking about that. I really think it would have to come down to Jalen Hurts would have to turn into like a top 10 quarterback, which I, I wouldn't bet on. But I think I think that would probably be the way to do it. Or I guess maybe if, you know, I mean, listen, if James Bradbury and Darius Slick go the other way and are both elite next year, which we've seen them do recently, like now you're adding a couple of wins to this win total. That's like a 13-win team. That's a conference championship team. And if you're there, you can totally win it all. So yeah, that would probably be the one other way I could see it happening, which isn't crazy. But again, I'm not sure if I would bet on it. Yeah, I mean, we still got a long way to go. This was our first division preview. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you, you look through it and it's like, okay, obviously, I think it's fair to predict where we're going to go through this over the next few weeks. It's fair to predict the Packers and Buccaneers and the Rams are probably among the top three teams in the NFC. Beyond that, if anyone's going to challenge them, I think the Eagles are a really good candidate to be in that conversation. Um, there's a few other teams I think could also be in that conversation. Um, the, I guess the question is, do they have the ceiling of those teams? I'm not sure, and I think they're going to need that to win a Super Bowl. We'll see, and like you said, it really comes down to if Hurts can be that guy or if this turns into a super – you know, if Smith develops even further – 
I think this can turn into an easily a tier one receiving group, like you said. And then all of a sudden, this is that this is that kind of team. Yeah, uh, like and one thing that's going for them as well is they play in the NFC, which I do have the NFC as weaker. Like I have, uh, yeah. I have a team missing the playoffs with more expected wins than what I gave the Eagles, and the Eagles still have over eleven. So it's not like I'm, you know, there's some scrub team just getting in. So uh, there's some good teams in the AFC in particular, and there's some you know high end teams in the NFC, but. You only have to beat one or two of them instead of having to beat three of them like you would in the AFC. So that's maybe the other advantage. I completely agree. I think there's a lot of questions in the NFC after the top three teams, um, which is kind of like, hey, I think anything's kind of possible. And, you know, I'm not going to, you know, say like, oh, if injuries happen. But at the same time, if one of those guys at the top goes down, I think this, I think all of a sudden this conference is wide open. And I have one other thing that I thought of as well is, so, you know, they got kind of unfortunate, uh, an unfortunate draw when they got Tampa Bay, which like, part of it was, hey, you got, you know, you finished seventh, so you're going to get an unfortunate draw. But if they win their division and at least get, you know, fourth place, okay, you're not going to get as, you know, tough of a team. You're going to get a wild card team. And we saw last year with San Francisco being a good running team in the playoffs, typically the teams that get into the playoffs that are teams that throw the ball well and defend the pass well. So then when you get, you have a good running team, that can actually sometimes be a way you can make an unexpected run. So maybe that's your pathway. Yeah. They just ran into the one team that also defended the run well. So that right. was a problem. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. You unfortunately ran into a team who's, despite having Tom Brady, like their number one focus is being a good run defense. Yeah. Has Vita Vea. So that doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> right. That, that makes it tough. All right, Kyle. That is our first preview in the books. Uh, I love doing these shows. It's a lot of research, a lot of fun. Uh, always a good time. Uh, next, So next week, we will be doing the, what? We'll be doing the NFC North. The North, yes, we are heading north. Um, that is the, I, of course, the the Packers, Lions, yeah. Vikings, and uh, Packers, Lions, Vikings, and uh, Bears, of course. Yeah, I didn't want to think about the Bears either. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I think it just blocked them out of my brain. <laughs> uh, yeah, so I think uh, hot take. Any hot takes coming for next week? <laughs> hot takes coming for next week. Uh. Maybe a warm one. Maybe a warm one. I don't think nothing. No Cowboys making less than winnings less than seven games. But I, I do. I think there'll be some. Certainly some things to talk about. I think there'll be things to talk about. I also think it might be the chalkiest division of the of the NFC. So we'll see how it goes. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm excited for the division. I'm excited to go through these previews. It's going to be fun. Uh, still got you know a little bit of off season left. So looking forward to it. Yeah. Uh, Kyle, who do you have winning tonight? Uh, Lightning or Avalanche? Uh, I'm not picking the Lightning. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I feel okay. Uh, I thought that I, I knew we were going to win game three after everyone was convinced that we were going to get swept after game two. Seeing entirely, Twitter is never in unison. Seeing all of Twitter, Twitter in unison that the Lightning were going to get swept after game two. I'm like, okay, well, at least we'll win game three. Sports social media is the most like, reactionary group ever i mean you were gonna get swept to the rangers basically weren't you uh-huh. so i mean uh yeah i mean i could see this going to two uh i think it's a you know it's a much better series than seven nothing i think you know mm-hmm. i think this this av team though like i said kind of last week is like when they when their speed gets going it's just like i, I don't care who you got victor hedman's not even gonna stop them because it's mm-hmm. just like this team when they get going and they're fast it's just really hard to stop I think if, if Tampa Bay can make this a slugfest, I think they got a chance. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I also think 
you know, Andre Vasilevsky didn't play his typical uh, performance. The, you know, game two, that was just a, like, okay, like, throw that one out. That's one of those just weird, you know, games where just everything goes wrong. Game one, he didn't play at his best. I think even game three, he hasn't played his best. So, uh, you know, Lightning have a huge goaltending advantage, and that's you know, what can win you a series. So, uh, I think it could go either way. You know, maybe my bolts and five take at the beginning of the series <laughs> might not. But I also... In slight fairness to me, I thought that you know the Lightning would have a healthy Brandon Braden point, which hasn't seemed to be the case. But uh, you know, there's there's still uh, you know these are good teams. This is, series is probably going to go seven. I think so too. The Avs aren't the Canadians who suck. Um, <laughs> you know, just have to throw that dig in there. Um, yeah, I mean, overall, I think I think it'll be fine. Obviously, you lose this one, then you start to panic. Yeah, th- this is. I mean, this is I, when you go down. Oh, t- I always feel like a series starts. People say the series doesn't start till a team loses at home. That that's the dumbest thing in the world. No, of course. Like, okay, I guess the Bru- <laughs> I guess the Bruins series is still going then. Like, like no, yeah. like, like it, it 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 definitely starts before then. But it starts when a team has a chance to win their third game. That's when it's because you know the difference between three one and two two, which is so insurmountable. This is you know every game from here on out is huge. Uh, you know, I I told my girlfriend. Uh, I think they're in game uh, three. It's like, I, I'm not watching another one of these games sober. I, I just, I can't do it. Uh, you have to have to be drinking during these ones. Yeah. Can't blame me there. You're not mm-hmm. going. <laughs> uh, I, I did. I do have tickets to game six. So uh, oh. yeah, what I did when, when we went down Oh two, I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to buy game six tickets. And this way, if we end up getting crushed, then whatever, I get my money back. And this, and I figured the prices are probably going to go up, which they did, although they've dropped back down since then. But uh, my thought was, you know what, I'll do this. And then if we have a chance to win, I'll go. If not, I'll probably just sell them. Well, there you go. So we'll see how it goes. Yeah, it <laughs> should be fun. All right, Kyle, let me know where I can find us on Twitter before we head out. Yeah, make sure to follow us on Twitter. That is at Jackson Kruger. Make sure to follow me at by Kyle Gronin. Make sure to follow the account page at on the sideline JK on Twitter. That's at on the sideline JK. Yes, of course. If you like to listen to your podcast, anywhere you get your podcast on the sideline podcast, uh, search that. It should be available. Uh, again, thank you to everybody for uh, listening to all of this fun stuff. We do appreciate it. Kyle, how long are we until football season? We're under 80 days, baby. 78 right. days till football season. We're ready. What's great about when we get under 80 days is then people can say like the, you know, uh, or under 100, I should say. It's like, you know, it'll be like, oh, uh, we're 78 days away. Here is us, you know, 78-yard punt return or something like that. We're, we're back into that season. Yeah, exactly. Um, not an Ezekiel at 78-yard run. I don't think that happened last season. <laughs> Probably not. Maybe <laughs> next season. So, meh, I don't think so. <laughs> Man, Cowboys fans are not going to be enjoying this podcast. Well, you said they're going to win like four games, so definitely. <laughs> okay, again, every time I have a hot take, it always goes lower. I said 6.7. No no embellishment here. The, the 0-17 Dallas Cowboys <laughs> are – it's going to be an interesting season. Yes, should be an interesting season. All right, again, thank you to everybody. We do appreciate it. And until next time, see you later. My voice cracked at the end. That's that's no good. Well, run it back. Try it again. <laughs> see you later, alligator. Peace. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? 
Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.